Happy Monday to you, everybody. The last week of July in 2020. I don't know where it is or how it is where you are, but it is raining like crazy here in St. Louis. Hi, this is Bob Bro. Welcome to the best old-time radio podcast. This is Monday, and on Monday we do comedies. Tuesday we do a drama. Wednesday we do mysteries, detective stories. And on Thursday we do a western and we do a two-hour archive show on the weekend. But on Comedy Monday, we're going to get you started off with a few laughs, and uh, I'll tell you all about that in just a minute. So what you need to do, what you need to do is kick your shoes off, get in that comfortable chair, put your feet up, get yourself something cold to drink, and relax, relax, just unwind. And we're going to get started in just a minute. Monday, Monday, can't trust that day. Monday, Monday, it just turns out that way. Oh, Monday, Monday, won't go away. Monday, Monday. Something for everyone, a comedy tonight. Nothing with kings, nothing with crowns. Bring on the lovers, liars, and clowns. Situation, no complications. Nothing portentous or polite. Ready tomorrow, comedy tonight. <laughs> Okay, lest you think I forgot, last week I played an episode of the Jack Benny Show that was the um, program that introduced Ronald Coleman and Benita Hume as Jack's next-door neighbors. And I promised you that I had another episode in my file. I have many, but I have one in particular that I thought was just hilarious, and I promised I would play it this week. I did not forget I would not do that to you. And so that's what we're going to play tonight. This one is originally from, I think it was November 13th, 1949, entitled Last Week's Mistakes. That's the first part of the show. The second part of the show, and both parts are very funny, but the second part of the show, Jack goes to visit Ronald Coleman on a movie set. Now, he's filming a movie entitled Champagne for Caesar, and that was indeed a movie. It was uh, Ronald Coleman, it was Audrey Totter, it was Art Linkletter, and uh, Vincent Price. It was kind of a screwball comedy, 
So this was a legitimate movie that Ronald Coleman was filming. And when Jack hits the movie set, it is really, really funny. The Jack Benny Program. Ladies and gentlemen, on last week's program, everybody made so many mistakes in reading their lines that Jack felt it was necessary to call a special meeting. At the moment, we find the cast assembled in Jack's living room. <clears throat> now look, kids, I want you to take what I'm going to say in the spirit in which it's given. I'm not angry. I'm not upset. But I did feel it was necessary to call this meeting. All right, Jack. What's the meeting about? Yeah, let's get it over with, huh? Well, Phil, as I said before, I'm not angry. But on last week's program, I never heard so m- Dennis, Dennis, you're not paying attention. Get away from that fishbowl. Well, last time I looked in this bowl, there were only two goldfish. I know, I know. Now, kids... How come there are three of them now? Because the first two fell in love and got married, that's why. Now, kids... If they just got married, why'd they take in a border? They didn't take in a boarder. The little one is a baby. Oh, yeah. The one on the right is the mother. No, no, Dennis. The one on the right is the father. He could have fooled me. <laughs> Dennis, will you do me a oh, favor? Oh, for heaven's sake, Jack. You called us over here for a meeting, so let's get on with it. Yes, Jack. Tell us what's on your mind. I'm trying to. I called this meeting to find out why there were so many mistakes made on last week's broadcast. All right, so we made a few mistakes. Is that a reason for you to get mad? I told you, I'm not mad. Libby's right, Jackson. You're burned up and you know it. I'm not burned up. <laughs> Jack, there's no reason for you to get so upset. Upset? What makes you think I'm upset? You look like a football coach whose team has to play Notre Dame. <laughs> all right, all right, you kids can have your little joke. And one couldn't be a star of my magnitude without being able to take a few jibes from his underlings. <laughs> but, as I said before, I'm not mad. All I want to do... Benny. What do you want now? Are you sure the one on the left is the mother? <laughs> Dennis, the one on the left is the mother. The one on the right is prettier. All right, all right. So the father is prettier than the mother. Well, that doesn't make sense. Sure it does, kid. Take me an hour. <laughs> Bill, be quiet. Okay, Jackson, okay. I'd like to get this meeting over anyway. What kind of mistakes did we make last well, week? Well, for one thing, Phil, you don't even know how to speak the English language. If a word has over two syllables, you don't even know what it means. I may not know what it means, Jackson, but when I speak, I have perfect diction. Phil, as long as you brought that up, I've got news for you. I've heard better diction coming out of the exhaust pipe of a Greyhound bus. (laughs) Believe me, Phil, the only thing that sounds worse than Harris the speaker is Harris the musician. Hold it, Jackson. Hold it. may interest you to know that I just got an offer to make a guest appearance with Arturo Toscanini. You? You got an offer from Toscanini? Yes, he wants me to be first whipsnapper when he plays mule friend. <laughs> well, that you can do, I know. Jack, if you're just going to ball out Phil, why did you call the rest of us? Because you all made mistakes last Wait week. Wait a minute, Jackson. I didn't make no mistake. Oh, you didn't, eh? Rochester. Yes, boss? Open the phonograph and play that record of last week's program. Okay. Now put the needle where I told could you, you to... Could you get your coo, baby? Could you get your coo? Dennis, get your hand out of that fishbowl. <laughs> anyway, you're tickling the father. 
Now, go ahead, Rochester. Start the record where I've got that little chalk mark. You say you didn't make any mistakes, eh, Phil? Just listen. This is the part where we were talking about your picture, Wabash Avenue. Now, listen. Well, it ain't exactly retakes. You see, there's a scene in the picture of me singing That's What I Like About the South. Uh-huh. And because of the foreign market, I've been down to the studio dubbing in the lyrics in French, German, Spanish, Greek, Portuguese, and Italian. <laughs> That's all, Rochester. Did you hear that, Phil? Did you hear that? Portuguese. I thought it sounded cute. Play it again, Rock. <laughs> Never mind. Jack, I don't think it's fair of you to ball Phil out. I've been because... waiting for you to speak up. <laughs> Rochester, put that other record on. The one Mark Mary. Jack, if you're trying to tell me that I make a mistake now and then, you needn't bother because I know it. Mary, I don't mind the little fluffs you've made like the time you ordered a chiswee sandwich. <laughs> you make little mistakes like that every now and then. But, Mary, what do you think was your biggest mistake? Leaving the May Company. <laughs> I won't argue that point. If you want to eat and get fat, that's your business. <laughs> I have a record here. Oh, Mr. Benny, are you sure the one on the left is the mother? I'm sure, I'm sure. And Dennis, stop interrupting. I want to get this meeting over with because I have to go to see Ronald Coleman on some very important business. Now, look, Mary, you say you didn't make any mistake last week. Look, I want you to hear a recording of a program we did a few weeks ago. Rochester, put it on where I've got that little chalk mark. Yes, sir. Now, listen, Mary. Mary, all the networks are nice. And it's about time people realize that there's no animosity between them. There isn't? Of course not. I'll take CBS. They even put Johnson's wax on the floors. <laughs> Jack, CBS didn't put it there. So many stars have come over, they cracked it in on their heads. <laughs> their shoes. <laughs> they must be acrobats. <laughs> That's enough, Rochester. That's enough. Do you hear that, Mary? The word was supposed to be shoes. Now, how in the world did you possibly arrive at the word head? Jack, that happened four weeks ago. I didn't deny it. I said I was guilty. You sentenced me to three days at hard labor. I painted your house. Now, let's forget it. You won't forget it until you finish the window sills. I want them green. Jack, is the meeting over? No, no, Don, not yet. I want to show Mary a fluff that she made on last week's program. Rochester, play that first record again. Yes, sir. The place I'm looking for is somewhere around the middle. Go ahead, play it there. Isn't it wonderful out here on the ocean? Yes, Nothing I love better than a no-obligation crew. Oh, that's not it, Rochester. Move the needle further down. Yes, okay. This is a little rough. Well, it can't get too rough for me. You know, during the First World War, I used to be on the Navy. A little further down. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Play that last part again. What's the matter? Jack, you said you were on the Navy instead of in the Navy. I did not. Oh, you didn't, eh? Rochester, play that part again. Okay. Jack, you better sit down. The ocean's a little rough. Well, it can't get too rough for me. You know, during the First World War, I used to be on the Navy. <laughs> well, Dad, shall we dance? <laughs> Bill. Jack, how could you make a mistake like that? Yeah, the one on the right is the mother. <laughs> Dennis, be quiet. Oh, on the, the Navy. <laughs> you know, Jackson, your face is the color of my eyes. Okay, Jack. 
What have you got to say now? I got this to say. I did not make a mistake. What? I said I did not make a mistake. But, Jack, we heard it distinctly. You said you were on the Navy. I said it because it's correct. When I became a sailor during the First World War, they put me on board a ship called the USS Navy. Therefore, I was on the Navy, <laughs> shut up, and meeting the church. <laughs> Say, Rochester, i got to run over and see Mr. Coleman now on some business. When I get back, have a little lunch for me. I'd like scrambled eggs. Sorry, boss. We're all out of eggs. Oh. Well, as long as I'm going next door to the Coleman's, I'll borrow a couple. I'll be right back. I hope their butler doesn't answer the door. I don't think he likes me. Well, hello, Benita. You look wonderful. Thank you, Jack. Here are the eggs. How did you know I wanted to borrow eggs? Well, I saw you coming up the walk, and since it was butter yesterday and sugar the day before, it had to be eggs today. <laughs> oh, yes. So we've completed the cycle, haven't we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we have. Now, is there anything else you might want? Bread, cream, flour, lettuce, turnips? Well... We're pushing turnips today. <laughs> no, no, just the eggs will do. Well, now, maybe you could use some cookies. Cinnamon, jam, jelly beans. Oh, no, no, I gave you plenty of jelly beans. You gave me jelly beans? You gave me jelly... When? That night when you rang my bell and said trick or treat. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> God, Buddy, I took such pains disguising myself as Little Bo Peep. How'd you recognize me? Because Little Bo Peep had lost her hair. Yes, yes, I didn't know where to find it. Well, thanks for the egg. It's quite all right, Jack. Goodbye. Oh, oh, just a minute, Benita. The main reason I came over was to see Ronnie. To have some very important business to discuss with him. Oh, I'm sorry, but Ronnie's at the studio. He's doing the final scenes on his picture, Champagne to Caesar. Oh, and if you'll excuse me, I was just getting ready to drive out there to see him. Well, that's swell. I'll go out with you, Benita. Oh, I mean, Jack, Jack, no, I, I have to make several stops on the way. And and I, oh, I don't mind waiting. You oh, know. well, for goodness sakes, we won't be able to go after all. I've just remembered my car has a flat tire. Oh, well, don't worry. We'll drive out in my car. Your car? Sure. I'll go and get it. You then... win, Jack. We'll drive out in mine. Good, good, good. Let's go. Here we are, Jack. Stage five. Now, you've got to be very quiet in there because... I know, Benita, I know. I've made a lot of pictures myself. Oh, yes. I forgot. Thank you. <laughs> uh, come on, let's go in. The director says it'll be a few minutes before the next scene. They have to change the lights, Mr. Cole. They've got a lot of extras on the set today, haven't they, Benita? Yes. Oh, there he is. Hello, Ronnie. Oh, hello, darling. Only three more scenes and I... Uh, hello, Ronnie. Ronnie, how are you? Oh. <laughs> well, why, Jack, what are you doing here? He came out with me. He wants to see you on business, darling. Yes, yes. Gee, it's good to see you again, Ronnie. Shake. I, I forgot to take the egg out of my hand. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ronnie, it isn't my fault. Stop wiping it off on my dress. Uh, Jack, 
normally, I am not a curious man, and I don't pry into other people's affairs. But how in the name of heaven did you happen to have an egg in your hand? Well, Benita loaned uh, me a couple of them, yes? Oh, I'm glad you didn't borrow any Vigoro. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, Ronnie... I have some business I want to see you about. Now, Jack, please. I, I don't know what it is, but you'll have to wait. This is our last day of shooting. We're behind schedule, and we still have to do the most important scene in the picture. But, Ronnie, this business will only... Everybody on stage! All right, Ronnie. We're all ready to shoot the scene. I'm ready. Oh, hello, Dick. Bonita, it's good to see you. By the way, this is Jack Benny. Uh, Jack, this is Ronnie's director, Richard Worf. Nice meeting you, Mr. Worf. It's a pleasure meeting you, too, Mr. Benny. Uh, 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 just not to him, Dick. Don't shake hands. Don't shake hands. <laughs> I'll explain it to you later. All right. Now, Ronnie, this is the one we rehearsed this morning. Remember, the main feeling is that you're expressing contempt, not hatred. Merely contempt for your business associates. Very good. And Dick. Don't you think it would be better if instead of sitting, I stood behind the desk? Yeah, let's try it that way. Quiet, everybody. Quiet on the set. Action. Gentlemen, at last I find courage to speak. I can't let this go on without a word of warning. You men are the forerunners of intellectual destruction in America. And I, for one, refuse to see the educational system of this country ruined by silly, simpering... Whoops, Drop my other rage. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm so oh. sorry. Goodness sake. Cut! Mr. Benny, would you please... No, no, let, let me handle this. Uh, Jack, how many eggs did you borrow? Uh, two. Good. He's out of them, Dick. We can go ahead. <laughs> yes, yes. Go right ahead. Okay. Quiet on the set. Roll them. Take it, Ronnie. Gentlemen, at last I find courage to speak. I can't let this go on without a word of warning. You men are the forerunners cut of in... Sorry, Ronnie, it isn't your fault, but I noticed too many shadows in the background. Hey, Joe, turn up the arcs on the right platform. That's better. Now, Ronnie, go through the speech once more with the new lighting. This will be just a rehearsal. Okay. Gentlemen, I have finally found courage to speak. I can't let this go on without a word of warning. You men are the forerunners of intellectual destruction in America. Cut! That was perfect. Now, this one we'll take. Ronnie, uh, try to get a shade more contempt into your voice. All right, Dick, I'm ready. All right, good. Everybody quiet. Quiet, everybody. This is a take. All right, Ronnie. Camera. Action. Gentlemen, at last I find courage to speak. I can't let this go on without a word of warning. You men are the forerunners of intellectual destruction in America. And I, for one, cut! <laughs> I thought you had a little too much contempt in your voice. You see, I think that you should have done... You think? Mr. Benny, I happen to be the director of this picture. I know, but I'm trying to give you the benefit of my experience, Mr. Um, Mr. Uh, what was your name again? Worf, Richard Worf. Say, that sounds familiar. Worf. Worf. I've heard that name before. Very likely. I have a brother in San Francisco named Fisherman. <laughs> How could you? I wanted to beat him to it. <laughs> what? I've heard you on the radio. You pick on anything. Look, Mr. Wharf, I'm only trying to help. I don't need your help. Mr. Wharf, for your information, making moving pictures is not a cut-and-dried business. There's no sure way to produce a good picture. 
The only way we can learn is by mistakes. You better listen to him, Dick. He's made some beautiful. <laughs> now, look, Benny, if you're going to stay here, you'll have to keep quiet. Now, hold it just a second, Dick. I'd like to talk to my wife privately. Will you come with me for a moment? Yes, Ronnie? Why in the world did you bring Benny out here? But, darling, I couldn't help it. Couldn't help it? Look, we've been married a good many years, haven't we? Yes, dear. And in all those years, we've never had any serious arguments, have we? No, dear. Well, Benita, I'm warning you. Bonnie, stop waving your finger in my face. You're getting egg on my nose. (laughs) That's your fault, too. Ronnie, I hate to interrupt, but we're way behind on schedule. Let's finish this scene. I'm sorry, Dick. I'm ready. Okay, quiet, everybody. This is a tape. Quiet on the set. Lights. Camera. Gentlemen. At last I find courage to speak. I can't let this go on without a word of warning. Jack! You men are the forerunners of intellectual destruction in America. Jack! And I, for one, refuse to see the educational system of this country a ruin. Benny, will you shut up and get out from behind that desk? I was only trying to show Ronnie how that speech should we be... We don't need your help. For heaven's sake, Ronnie, can't you get rid of this... this... Schlemiel? <laughs> Thank you. Look, look, Jack, I don't mind too much. I'm used to you. But you're new to Mr. Wolf. Please leave the set. But, Ronnie, Ronnie, I can't leave now. I came out here to see you on business that's important to you. All right, Jack, all right. You've delayed the picture for an hour. You've ruined three takes. You've upset my director and caused me to argue with my wife. Now... What is this important business you want to talk to me about? Ronnie, Ronnie, do you realize that here it is, the middle of November, and you haven't ordered your Christmas cards yet? (laughs) Now, Ronnie, I have some cards with beautiful winter scenes, and... Oh! Oh, my goodness, what happened? An arc light fell down and hit him on the head. Was he badly hurt? I don't know, but we'd better work fast. Lights, camera, action! Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman and Richard War for being with us tonight. And be sure to listen in next week when we will have, as our guest, Sammy the Drummer. Good night. Well, I hope you can see why... Why, I particularly think Ronald Coleman and Benita Hume on The Benny Show was just the perfect combination of, uh, of chemistry. I mean, it was just really funny. And that episode there had me laughing out loud. And as we've talked about before, each episode of The Benny Show was written by a, a team of writers. And they would divide into two teams. And one team would write the first part of the show. And the second team would write the second part of the show. And that's why the first part of the show was called Last Week's Mistakes, and the second part of the show was Jack Visits Ronald Coleman's Movie Set. And they would do that week in and week out. And in this case tonight, both both halves were, were very funny. Now, we did have to uh, cut out Dennis's song uh, be, and, and the Lucky commercial that's in the middle. They didn't have the Sportsman's Quartet on this. They had Don do it, Don Wilson. But for some reason, there was an interference in it. And so I just, rather than try to filter it out, it wasn't, I don't remember what the song was, but it wasn't, wasn't one that I think that everybody would like very much. And it really had a, a, an annoying buzz in it. So 
At any rate, we cut those out, so that made the show a little shorter. But we're going to take care of that in just a minute, and I'll tell you about that. But I just wanted to say that there are many episodes that we have in our files with Ronald Coleman and Benita Hume. And uh, rather than just play them back to back to back, week to week, I know you, you folks like some diversity. So we'll go back and play some other comedy shows. But I'm also going to start including the Halls of Ivy, because that was a show that uh, Ronald Coleman and Benita Hume did. And it, it wasn't a spinoff, but it was, uh, I, I think you'd have to say the reason they got the show was because of their popularity on the Jack Benny show. And so we will include some of those. And those are very heartwarming. Some of them are really, really funny, but they're also very heartwarming. And some of them are slightly, slightly dramatic, too. So you can look forward to that in the future. But we will have more Jack Benny shows in the weeks ahead. All right, since that Benny show ran just a little short, I thought I'd give you a little bonus. We're going to play an episode of Fibber, McGee, and Molly from November 8th, 1955. Now, this is when the show was no longer doing a half-an-hour primetime show. Uh, This is when it went to a daily 15-minute segment, and they didn't have the studio audience. Uh, They didn't have all of the... um, uh, supporting cast. It, it was pared down quite a bit, but it was still fun. And it's kind of nice to use these as little fillers, these little 15-minute shows, because when you edit the commercials out, which they put three commercials in a 15-minute show, uh, it gets it down to about uh, 11 or 12 minutes. So uh, I thought that would be a nice add-on. But the name of this episode is A Fire in the Fireplace. And one of the great things about Fibber, McGee, and Molly is they would take everyday situations and make them fun, like just like starting a fire in the fireplace. Again, we invite you to listen to the transcribed adventures of Fibber, McGee, and Molly. The show is written by Phil Leslie and directed by Max Hutto. It's a gloomy, rainy-looking evening in Wistful Vista. Just the kind of a night to sit around home with a good book and, as Mr. McGee has just remarked, a roaring fire in the fireplace. A fire in the fireplace? Can you think of a better place to build one, Tootsie? No, not offhand, I can't. I'm just in the mood to build us a big log fire tonight and sit around all evening, toasting my toes and your toes, maybe a few marshmallows. Say, that sounds like a fine idea, dearie. Betcha. It probably isn't, but it sounds like a fine idea. Uh, we got any marshmallows? Yes, we have. Mm-hmm. And we both got toes. Have we got any firewood? That's a very shrewd question, my dear, and one I can answer in two words, plenty. I got enough scrap lumber out behind the garage to build... My, they're starting early tonight. Yep. Come in. Hello, Mr. and Ms. McGee. May I come in? Hello, Lester. Hi, Les. Sit down. I was just going out back to ring in some firewood. He's going to build a fire in the fireplace, Lester. Oh, your furnace broke down again, huh? Oh, no, there's nothing wrong with our furnace or anything else, Les. I just got a yen tonight for a big roaring fire in the fireplace, that's all. Oh, you... you just want one, huh? Ah, uh, there's nothing like an open fire. Ah, the crackle of the flames, the good, clean smell of the wood smoke. The scream of the sirens, the crash of glass as they chop down our front door. Oh, cut it out, <laughs> kiddo. Just joking. Say, you have a fireplace, don't you, Lester, at your house? Well, uh... Yeah, yes we do, Miss McGee. 
Uh, right after we moved in there, though, Sally, she painted it white inside instead of potted geraniums in there. Looks real pretty, too. My gosh, Les, that's awful. What the heck good is a fireplace with a pot of geraniums in it? No ashes, for one thing. <laughs> Very good point, Lester. And Sally says her curtains don't get dirty that way, either. There's no smoke from geraniums, you know. <laughs> That's the trouble with you young kids, Les. You're spoiled. Everything's automatic these days. Electric stove, electric percolator, electric heater. Yes, sir. The nicest thing, though, is that electric blanket Sally's folks gave us. I'd love to have one. <laughs> Modern generation. Push-button everything. Son... If you had to get up in a cold cabin with a foot of snow on the floor, throw on your mucklucks and bearskin coat, go out in the woods and chop down a tree for firewood and shoot yourself a deer for breakfast every morning, you'd starve to death. As long as we have all these modern conveniences, we might as well use them. That's just why I came over here, Ms. McGee. What do you mean? Well, we got them, but we can't use them because I burned out my last fuse a while ago. What? <laughs> the clock's stopped, the percolator's off, the radio's dead, the blanket's cold. Oh, come on, Lester, I'll get you a fuse. We've got some. Watch it, Molly. I'm coming in loaded. Heavenly days, McGee. Do you need that much firewood? I've been yearning for a roaring fire, and by golly, I'm going to have one. You burn all that wood in it, and we'll have some roaring firemen in here, too. Won't be long now, kiddo. First the paper. A few sticks of kindling. And a couple of two-by-fours. My goodness, that's quite a production, all right. All you need now is a can of gasoline and a blowtorch. Don't you worry, kiddo. I've had plenty of experience making fires. Hmm. Here we go. Ah, uh, just look at that stuff, please. The kindling already? No, the paper. Oh. The wood will catch in a minute. It's all in knowing how to build them, kiddo. Lay in the wood just right. <laughs> I have to laugh every time I think of that last. <laughs> Burns out a fuse and he's completely helpless. Yeah, but I gave him one, though. Yeah. You take a guy like me with pioneer blood in his veins. You turn me loose in the woods with a knife, an axe, and a box of matches. Hmm. Hand me the box of matches, will you? That ratted paper went out. Hmm. Ah, the kindling is start to catch fire now, Molly. This piece here, anyhow. Better get out the marshmallows, kiddo. Better fan it a little, hadn't you? It's starting to smoke. And that fire's hardly old enough to smoke. Oh, it'll settle down, all right. It's just starting. Ah, this is going to be a real nice evening. The soft, mellow glow of the fire, the good, clean smell (coughs) of wood smoke. (coughs) Put your chair up closer here, so... Who's that now? That's probably a wayfaring stranger, my dear, making his way through the dreary night and saw the warm glow of the fire on our hearth. Well, if he saw the glow of this fire, he must be in the fireplace with it. All I can see in here is (coughs) smoke. Come in. Hello there, kid. Hi, daughter. Hi. That you, Johnny? Hello, Mr. Oldtimer. Uh, yeah, hi, Oldtimer. I'm just getting a, a nice roaring fire started. In the fireplace. Oh, is that what you're doing? Thought you was getting ready to fumigate the house. <laughs> All fires smoke a little at first. This will be great in a minute. See, the smoke's dying out right now. Oh, doggone it. What's the matter? Fire died out, too. This wood must be a little damp. So is my enthusiasm. It doesn't seem nearly as good an idea as it did before you brought the wood in. Trouble there, Johnny. You ain't got the fire laid right to begin with. You gotta be scientific. And... Oh, cut it out. What do you know about building a fire? Son, I built a million of them. 
Out west in the open range. Ah, uh, I'll start this over again. Yes, sir, daughter. I mind I was helping out one time with a truck wagon for the old Lazy J outfit in Agoura. Had us a Chinese cook there by the name of Juan Lo Burp. <laughs> and that Juan Lo could sure burp. A cook, <laughs> I mean. Sure cook. <laughs> cook. You could roast an old tough jackrabbit so as it didn't taste like jackrabbit at all. Tasted like old tough horse blankets. <laughs> Hand me the matches, will you, Ma? Thanks. Well, sir... Wanlow decided to barbecue a buffalo one day, and he told me to build a big fire. I piled up about a half a cord of greasewood, a couple of dozen juniper trees, and three pages out of the police gazette, flying a gallon of gasoline onto it, and jumped back. Gasoline? My gosh, didn't it blow up? Nope. I watched it for a minute. Nothing happened. So I stepped up and struck a match to it. Then it blew up! <laughs> Which reminds me, I better get out over to my girlfriend Bessie's house or she'll blow up. Had us a date for 9 o'clock. And... Oh, you'll make it okay. It's only 8.45. Yeah, yeah, but the date, daughter, was last night. So long, kid. Bye. I stuffed some more newspapers under here and it's coming fine now. Look, look at that pine knot blaze, kiddo. Ah, don't you just love the odor of pine? No. <coughs> I'm going to raise the window and let some of the smoke get out of here, McGee. Yeah, that's a good idea. Leave the window open a while. Might help the draft. <coughs> ah, what fragrance. The good, clean smell of wood smoke is the greatest. <laughs> Boy, smell that pine. Ain't that... Open some more windows, McGee. Open the windows. My goodness. I can't open more windows. The windows are all open now. Just be patient. As soon as it it blazes more, it'll drop. Oh, Mr. McGee. Mrs. McGee. Are you all right? Where are you? Are you overcome with... Mr. Wimple, no. We're we're all right. Where are you? I can hear you, but I can't see where... I'm right here. Be brave. I'll get you out. I saw the smoke pouring out the windows. Oh, cut it out, Wimp. My gosh, relax. We're okay. Thank heaven. (laughs) How did it start? Never mind. Tell me later. The thing to do now is to get you both outside. Grab my hand and get down on the floor, Mr. McGee. Oh, for the love of Mike. No time to argue now. The air is better on the floor. I've taken first aid, and I know that in case of fire, all... (laughs) Mr. Wimple. There is no fire, believe me. (coughs) All this smoke? Himself here is trying to build a fire in the fireplace, but there is no fire. Just smoke. (coughs) I'll bet I have an idea, Mr. McGee. If you're going to tell me I don't know how to build a fire, scientific, save it, because I've built a million fires. (laughs) Yeah, but never one as smoky as this. No, don't you remember last summer... When it rained so hard all week. You mean when all the water ran down the chimney there? Yes, and I helped Mr. McGee. (laughs) Climb up on the roof and lay boards on top of the chimney to close it up. Yes, are they still... Oh, for the... No wonder the fire wouldn't draw. The dad ratted chimneys boarded up. (laughs) I'll get a bucket of water. (laughs) I'm going outside and get... of you to phone, Doctor, but everything's fine now. Thanks. Yes, he's right here. I'll ask him. McGee, do you want to speak to Dr. Gamble? <laughs> oh. He said, no, thanks, Doctor. He's going to bed. Bye. 
Bye, everybody. See you later. Fibber, McGee, and Molly Transcribed is brought to you Mondays through Fridays at this time by Miles Laboratories, makers of Alka-Seltzer. The old-timer and Wallace Wimple are played by Bill Thompson and Les Nelson by Robert Easton. Well, the season being what it is, McGee and Doc take a notion to go duck hunting tomorrow. This is John Wald advising you not to miss this fascinating adventure. Will they shoot ducks or each other? Hear it beginning tomorrow on Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Daytime Companion, weekday on NBC Radio. Fibber, McGee, and Molly, a fire in the fireplace. That first played on NBC back on November the 8th, 1955. And that was well into their, their a few seasons of the 15-minute daily shows. Without the studio audience, when, without some of the other accoutrements that we really loved for many years about Fibber, McGee, and Molly. But still, still they had good chemistry. All right, well, that's going to do it for us for uh, this Monday. I don't know uh, what it's like where you are, but it is raining here in the Midwest and around St. Louis and kind of drab. So I thought we'd go out tonight with some music that will make you move around. And I'm going to play two songs back to back. I bet you, you cannot sit still (laughs) when you hear these songs, all right? You just let me know if you can't. I don't think you can do it. All right, everybody, we'll be back tomorrow with a a drama because Tuesdays are drama days, okay? This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by, and I'm so glad you met me. See you tomorrow.
Okay, you can sit down now. Whew, are you exhausted? <laughs> that was Wanda Jackson with Let's Have a Party and the Pointer Sisters with I'm So Excited. See you tomorrow, everybody. Bye-bye.